Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Hey, what's up? It's Thomas Nicholas, uh, also known as Kevin from American Pie. And when I'm not going the growl, which I think is better known as the tongue tornado, I'm listening to the total reboot with Cam and Alexi. Welcome to Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. We are at the very end of what has been an emotional journey. Oh my gosh, we have come of age at this point. I have no breath. I am speechless. (laughs) I am starstruck. Mm -hmm. I sit here before you. I look at you. You look gorgeous. Wow, my God. And I'm looking at you. You've got a stunning outfit together. Who put that together? I put it together. You put it together. Mm -hmm. You've got the talent to put a beautiful outfit together and you've got the eyes to match it. You have the eye. You have the charisma. You have the look. Baby, you're the complete package. You are a star. You are an angel. You're an angel that lives within a star that shoots off into space. You rule other planets in this galaxy because your aura is unlike any this universe has ever seen before. You're cool. You're cool. And you're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) We're at the end of our Screen Ages miniseries. We've been talking all about teens on the screens. Mm -hmm. We've run the gamut of American teen cinema. Yes, we have indeed, Cameron James. I am so excited to be talking about this final film. Yes, your name is Alexi Toliopoulos and you are excited to be talking about this final film. I am indeed because, you know, it's almost like we're closing off the Screen Ages miniseries with a little bit of what we used to do on Total Reboot, which is a direct compare and contrast. That's right. Last week we watched Superbad, an iconic teen classic from our generation now we're talking about the next generation Mm -hmm. and and you can directly compare and contrast it because this film it has similar themes yes it has a similar vibe it has a similar plot line and it has a sibling from Superbad in it yes we are talking about book smart we are talking about 2019 olivia wilde's book smart Mm. and with Superbad. That is a film that is very near and dear to my heart. It is a proper teen classic that I believe is truly canonized now. It's part of the teen cinema canon. I do remember seeing Booksmart in the cinema when I saw with our dear friends from this podcast, Henry Stone, Mm. B. Barbara Mm Skirla, all our friends and partners as well. And being very anticipatory of this film, excited for it, anticipating it, in fact. Not just anticipatory, I was (laughs) anticipating it. And I think... Seeing it in the cinema, I felt like there is... This is definitely, like, going to become a classic one day, is what I thought. Like, I remember sitting home, coming home, just going like, man, American Pie, Dazed and Confused, Super Bad. I think Booksmart is the next in that kind of lineage. Yeah, interesting. That's it. There was a lot of buzz around this when it came out. I didn't see it in cinema. Yeah. I remember... The hype machine that word up for it, the hype surrounding Beanie Feldstein, the hype surrounding the Barbie doll sequence, Mm -hmm. and in particular, like having it pitched to me by the media as a gender swapped super bad. Um, And I was hesitant, I think, because maybe at that time I wasn't watching much teen film. Yes. I was kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, it's not for me though, it's for younger kids. You're pushing 60 at this point. Yeah, I'm 60 years old, you know. I'm an old 
chunk of coal. I don't know nothing. <laughs> You're a hunk of coal getting ready to be thrown into a furnace yeah. for its final days. Of I this don't earth. know nothing about these kids and their flicks. Yes. You know what I'm talking They've about? They've got their flip phones yeah. and their flip flop shoes. Like, Hang on, what is it? Is it a TikTok? Okay, I've heard of TikTok. Yeah, the clock's ticking, buddy, and my life's about to punch out. <laughs> <laughs> so I avoided it in cinema, but I mm. caught up with it on the wonderful home release that we like to call Video On Demand. V-O-D. You mm. can watch a video, be it television series, be it movie, be it web se- episode. Yeah. Uh, it took me too long to say that. Uh, can you shorten web episode into God like, If you can find a nice contraction for that. Honestly, I'm wasting my fucking life away. Speaking of TikTok, time's ticking away. I'm spending my half my life saying web episode. Yeah. You got to find a way to <sighs> God webseed webseed no, webseed. No, no. Well, that's close. Webisode webisode webisode. Wow. Hmm. Write that down. Okay. This is if we did the origin story for like funny or die. <laughs> Or college humor, or something. <laughs> the Aaron Sorkin funny or die movie. <laughs> yeah, mate, let them vote on the movies. <laughs> yeah, why don't you call that one the landlord? It makes it sound more official. I think there is a lot that I really like about Booksmart, mm-hmm. um, and then there is a bit of a. Uh, I, I mean, I hesitate to call it a generational divide, mm-hmm. but there is a generational divide that I think I struggled across. For parts of this film. I would also say, for me, I really like this movie. And it was absolute pleasure to revisit it. I think watching it directly after Superbad. And uh, it ha- it's... This film, its strengths are its differences from Superbad. Mm. But for me, some of its weaknesses are things that Superbad delivers really well. Yep. Structurally, kind of like technical things, screenplay things. That I think this one just didn't quite do so well but then mm. the other things that does differently are things that i absolutely cherish in this movie and why i think that it will go on to become a classic okay all right look i'm willing to dive right in now if you are let's do it shall we darling <laughs> we have to go to a party tonight what nobody knows that we are fun we didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Picture this, I'm a bag of dicks, put me to your lips. Hand sanitizer. Check. Chapstick. Check. Mace. Listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Oh! Ah! Oh, <laughs> Smart, 2019, directed by Olivia Wilde. Mm-hmm. Not Oscar Wilde, who no. did write prose and literature. Yeah, and he, like he would not be out of the realm of fantasy for him to write a teen film yeah he i mean you know he's definitely dabbled his hand at the sex comedy that's yes, for sure of but, course. but i don't think he had any involvement in book smart i think no he's, no i no. think olivia you know she this is all yeah. her we uh, I, she didn't have any help from oscar we can't one. contribute no. any of it to oscar i know that we would want to it is our <laughs> it is our vibe to pay homage to oscar wilde on every episode of yeah. this podcast we're, 
worst. Worst famous wits. You yes, know. exactly. The only thing I have to declare is that that guy is funny as fuck for an old fella. <laughs> <laughs> From back in the olden days, that guy's pretty fucking funny. Okay, we are up to a segment of the show that mm-hmm. you and I love, and our audience just absolutely freaking adores Lega it. Gaga for us. <laughs> the phones are ringing off the hook, mm-hmm. telling us how much they love this shit. Yes. This is a segment where we find a logline or a synopsis on the internet. One of us reads it out, and the other one determines whether it is accurate or not. It's called Love That Logline. It's kind of like funny or die, but accurate and inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> so this, it also comes with a tagline. This one's from letterbox.com. We're going wow. back to the classics. Wow. Usually they've got good loglines on here. The tagline first is getting straight A's, giving zero F's. I like that. Love it. I like it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's accurate to the ethos of the film. I think it is because it's entendre. It's a play on words. Oh, I, I get it. I'm an Oscar Wildean yeah, wordplay yes, type guy. I get the entendre. Yes. But I just, I don't think that it's true that they give zero Fs. I think they actually give quite a lot of Fs. Yes, but also they give zero Fs because they're not getting Fs on their school grades. Well, it should be getting zero Fs then. Yeah, and also they don't get Fs. <laughs> getting straight A's and getting zero Fs. Yeah, well, That's you know, what it should it's be. less funny when you read it that way, actually. <laughs> All right, here comes the logline. Tell me if you love it. Uh, Two a- academic teenage superstars realize on the eve of their high school graduation that they should have worked less and played more. Determined to never fall short of their peers, the girls set out on a mission to cram four years of fun into just one night. Yep, that's fair. And you know what? Great. It's a great logline. It's a great logline. I love that logline. I love that logline. It gets me excited for the movie. And you know what? This movie is a long time coming. This was a blacklist script from 2009. No way. Yep. Is that real? It took a decade to get made. It was written you know, originally by... Because if you look at the credits, mm-hmm. there's four people credited writing this film. Can we also go through these credits a little bit? Because... Uh, I think people get interested when we uh, give them a little bit of film knowledge on how they work. There's two credited writers and there's an ampersand between them. Yeah. That means they wrote it together. Yeah. If it says and, A-N-D, that means that that person has done a rewrite. Mm -hmm. They've come on, written something separate. So this film was originally written by Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins together, 2009. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes the blacklist. It's everyone's loving this fucking script. Oh my god! This is this one is of the, the best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood it, currently. We gotta get this thing up on its feet. Mm-hmm. It's gonna fucking go off. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens because apparently no one's making female-led comedies mm, around that time. Interesting, especially teen comedies. Yeah. 2014, Susanna Fogel revises the screenplay, trying to get it up to date. Fogel, McLovin took yeah, a Yeah, McLovin. Susanna McLovin had a crack at it. <laughs> she adds the lesbian uh, oh, backstory, changes touch. one of the characters' uh, sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Perhaps that's the Oscar Wilde touch. Yeah, maybe Oscar Wilde did have a hand in it. I've heard that Oscar Wilde may have been. Um... <laughs> What? Homosexual? I'm talking like Seinfeld. Yeah. Eh, he may have been a little... He's a know, little bit that way. Yes. <laughs> you know, he um, plays softball, but he's batting for the other team. <laughs> <laughs> There's two people trying to be well, they're coy a great about Oscar Wilde. They're a great team. I got no problem with the team. I'll tell you, I love the team. They got all the right equipment. <laughs> yeah, And they know how to use it, okay? <laughs> From what I understand. 
Uh, and then, you know, four years after that, Katie Silverman picks the script up again, mm-hmm. revises it yet again with uh, the help of Olivia Wilde. Yes. They add a lot more to it, a lot more jokes. They turn it into a modern comedy. So more that's contemporary. It's gone through three revisions with mm. separate, you know, four writers in total. Yeah. Plus Olivia Wilde's Plus work. the spirit of Oscar but, Wilde. And the spirit of Oscar Wilde. But, <laughs> Uncredited writer on this movie. But I think that logline, mm-hmm. which you just read, that has been the germ of the idea from the very beginning. And it is a fucking great premise for a Absolutely. film. Absolutely. Two... Nerds, yes, who realize they should have been fucking and partying and doing drugs, yeah. decide the night before graduation that they're going to go for it. Great, I'm in, I buy in on that premise, and I think it works so well because it's in contrast to Superbad, similar storyline, similar plot, rather, mm. except the story is different because of Superbad. They're dorks. They're losers. And this is kind of like the idea, the differentiation between dorks and nerds. Yeah. Where like these guys... Let's define it once and for all. Let's do it. Once and for all, a dork is a dweeb. And uh, let me just add something. Mm -hmm. A dork, not necessarily smart. Yes, that's a big thing. Quite often dumb. Yeah, a dork can be a dunce. Yeah. A dork can be a dunce. They can be a stooge. And they can, in fact, be a nerd as well. Absolutely. They can be smart. If you find that beautiful combination of dork and nerd, that's actually quite cute. You've got something very special there in a young Fogel, perhaps. (laughs) A little McLovin, if you will. (laughs) Uh, And then I I would say these are nerds because they're actually quite well liked in their school, Mm. even though they're rather selfish and like wanting to do well and like wanting to be perceived as the best and working harder than everyone else is important to them. But I really like the choice in this where like the school is like a high academic achieving school Mm. and even like the cool kids, they're all like skaters. All the cool kids in this movie, I really like because they feel like they look like they're out of days and confused. Yeah. Like they feel very vintage. They've kind of like captured their own wardrobe. It feels like they've like, you know, curated their own anachronistic personality Mm. and look. And um, I like that this movie has like kids that are getting recruited to Google that look like they're slackers. Yeah. And like kids that are already pre-selected for Yale, but they were able to also have fun. Yeah. I think it's a good contrast and like, oh, all these losers. And then like, no, everyone works hard. These ones were just like selfish and stuck in their own heads. (laughs) Which is like, I think a fun twist on the way that uh, nerds, are portrayed in mm. film because they're often like the underdog. Yeah. But what we don't often see is the arrogance of nerds. Mm. Yeah. And these girls are so fucking arrogant. Yes. Especially Beanie's character. Um, what's her name? Molly, mm-hmm. who's like, I'm going to be the, f- like the youngest Supreme court judge and all this <laughs> shit. Like she's, she's so up herself. Yeah. And that's just like a funny truism about a lot of nerds is that they do feel superior because they're like, yeah. yeah, I'm like the smartest guy in this school. I have a huge <laughs> intellect and a future that's going to match it. Like there's so, so much of it's that. It's a nice realisation, mm. that scene where she's in the bathroom and she realises that all the cool kids are also getting into the same schools as yeah. her and maybe even are achieving higher than she yeah. is. And she's just kind of like, 
oh fuck so i've just been like this entitled smug asshole yeah. for four years for no reason i've sacrificed Great my youth to yeah. for my future and i didn't have to i didn't get laid i could have been out there getting laid i could have been doing it and it's one of the most important things a teen can do and it's really it feels so interesting i cannot stress this enough to all our teenage listeners that yeah. have yet to conquer that rite of yeah. passage by God, does it, feels it feel really interesting? interesting. <laughs> By God, yeah, <laughs> my lord, that no wonder Oscar Wilde wrote so many plays about that kind of stuff. Yeah, the importance of being earnest is all about how interesting it, it feels yeah. to fuck earnest. Might I say, earnest this is quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, I didn't know about that. <laughs> yes, earnest is played by freaking Jim Barney. Jim Barney, rest in peace. <laughs> Tragically but lost to time. There was one thing that you mentioned that I found so fascinating is like that this was sitting around for nearly a decade, this yeah, script. Yeah. And uh, you said that like there wasn't any like female-led comedies happening at this point in time when it first came around. But then like to see over that decade, that really becomes like the switch that we make. Like yeah. Bridesmaids becomes a huge Yeah, hit. when's that? 2010, 2011? 2011, I yeah. think, Bridesmaids. And that like really reinvigorates like an interest in female-led comedies. Mm-hmm. And then I think the genre cycle that we're still currently in that I think is really exciting that this is definitely like a bit of a crown jewel of, one of the crown jewels, is like this idea of fem- this genre cycle of female-led and largely female-produced uh, teen comedies or teen coming-of-age sure. films uh, that are like this kind of indie vibe, mm. Annapurna, A24, like production studio yeah. feeling to them that, of course, has stuff like... Lady Bird the year before, I guess. Lady Bird the year before, Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is fantastic. Eighth Grade that we've already covered on this mm-hmm. podcast. To All the Boys I Love Before on Netflix. And one that I really, really love, which is Edge of 17 with Hayley Steinfeld. Yeah. And I think it's like we've become like more the default. Like I can't really think of like actually male teen films. I know. I guess Good Boys came out a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, but that's like tween that's a focus. new whole new thing. It's tweens. Yeah, they're not even teens but yet. But it's still boys. But yes. I was I was thinking about that recently too. Like it's probably very unlikely that you're going to see like just teen boys mucking mm. around in a movie. Honestly, <laughs> the biggest one I can think of is like the current Spider Man, like with Tom oh, yeah. Holland and the Miles Morales uh, into the Spider Verse. Like probably mm. the most known and discussed like teen male. Yeah. movies but it's like a whole different genre dude even the new american pie presents movie is a female spin on the genre yeah and i think that this like really represents and especially it being so tied to super bad mm. like spiritually i think that it represents like what this genre cycle is going through now and maybe the direction it's heading as well yeah also, there's um like we mentioned it earlier the queer element to this, which mm-hmm. is new, and I mean that got written in in 2014, so yep. it's, it took five more years for Hollywood to go. Okay, fine, you can yeah. do it, which is crazy. It's crazy because it makes so much sense watching it in this, and I think that's like such a fascinating character, and I think that the way it's played by Caitlin Dever. Caitlin Dever, yeah. who you must be a big fan of these days, right? I am, actually. I was going to say... Can um, you please wax lyrical about him? So, Caitlin Dever is a really great actor, has been an actor since 
a child mm-hmm. and appeared quite heavily in the show Justified, which mm-hmm. I've just finished watching. Cam's never shuts up about Justified. I love Justified. It's mm-hmm. one of those shows that maybe five people who listen to this will ever watch. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is Ben Vanell from Filthy Casuals. Benny, thank you so much for giving Justified a shot it deserves. <laughs> um, but everyone should watch it because it's got a lot of great character actors in it and Caitlin Dever is in it quite a lot as a weed kingpin <gasps> in what? Harlan County. And she's like, maybe she's supposed to be 16 or 17 in Whoa. it. And she's like the marijuana kingpin of Harlan County. My Selling God. weed, growing weed, dealing with bikies. Holy snap. And she's fucking cool in it. She has a gun. She's badass. Oh. Um, and in this, she's obviously the complete opposite. She's That's like a, a dweeb. So it's really, it's really cool. She's got... A lot of range as an actor. It's yeah, really cool. she's on a Netflix series as well with Tony Collette, and like, oh really? Yeah, it's, it's the range that she exhibits between all these three roles. Mm. Perplexing. Like, I think for a, young actor. I think we'll be hearing a lot about Caitlin Dever for years to come. Oh, like I hope potentially so. a Tony Collette esque career, big time because mm. it's like big choices. Yeah, but still. They're grounded in some sort of reality. Like yeah. I see her in this movie as like this young queer teenager. Mm. It feels very much like a real person and funny the way that a real teenager is. They <laughs> 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 let the record show Cameron drop the coaster. It was one of those moments, guys, where I picked up a glass of water and the condensation had Mm -hmm. clearly built up underneath it and the coaster stuck to the bottom and I went into full-on panic mode. (laughs) It's moments like these, we need minties. (laughs) I freaked out (laughs) because I knew it was going to drop. I freaked. (laughs) But I think that like one of the cool things about this movie that I think is in the same kind of tone as Superbad is they're able to capture like the funniness of teenagers, how they like perform to each other to mm. like entertain each other and like capture like you know the the humor of teenagers in a very realistic way like i think that this is simultaneously quite a broad comedy mm. but it still lives in this world of naturalism yeah that works so well like i actually think the two leads are quite natural mm-hmm. it's the supporting cast that play the cartoons big really. time like billy lord uh carrie fisher's daughter mm. who is i think this is a breakout role for her like we've seen her quite a bit she's in like a lot of the ryan murphy tv shows like scream queens and stuff oh i didn't know that but she is to me this is a phenomenal supporting role like in the same kind of vein that like mclovin was in yeah. the original super bad in like how big it is of a comedic performance. Yeah, it's very fun. It's like, actually, I didn't know that that was, that Billy Lord was who she is. She is Hollywood royalty. I didn't realize that. I was just watching it this time. I kind of went, who's this fucking star? Yeah. Like this is a, this is a very charismatic performance. Yes. She's really good. I also love uh, Skylar Gizondo. Gizondo. He's the he plays the rich kid that Jared. everyone thinks is a dick, Jared. Yeah. I actually he's become one of those dudes who whenever he pops up in something, I get very like I'm like hell yeah, yeah. Like I feel like I'm in safe hands. This guy's bringing it. He brings it every time. He's in Santa Clarita Diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the Vacation oh, uh, reboot. He plays Ed Helms' son, perhaps. Ed Helms' son in wow, that. That's um, a great casting. And yeah, every time I see him in something, I'm like, yeah, this guy will fucking bring it, dude. Like, he knows what he's doing. He captures <laughs> so much charisma mm. in such a dorky, silly way. Yeah. It's just like, 
Okay, very impressive, young man. Very impressive. I shall watch your career with great interest. I have been, and I'm very happy to say mm-hmm. he's doing wonderful work out there. And then we've also got um, we've got like uh, the adults in this film mm-hmm. are like charisma fucking legends oh as well, God. but they're all playing heightened cartoony versions yes. of real people. Yeah, big time. Like I think this movie captures something that we've not had at all really in this mini series. Maybe apart from Donnie Darko, which I'm never mm. going to stop fucking talking about for the rest of my yeah. life. Now, did you like that movie? I love that. I've seen it one more time since we recorded that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like that's the only other movie where there is like a student teacher relationship. Mm. We see like Donnie talking with his teachers yeah. and like forming a bond with them. This movie, I think, does that really well as well, where, you know, we've got um, Jessica Williams being like the cool teacher that Beanie and uh, Caitlin Davis look up to and like kind of want to like embody her life and like want to like, you know, they, they she represents like the future that they do want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's fucking cool in this too. Mm-hmm. I, I really love her. Uh, did you ever see um, what was that movie that she was in? Uh, Jessica oh, Jones. Incredible something? Jessica James. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's really great. Um, underused in this movie, I would say. Mm-hmm. She only really gets like three scenes, and in one of them, it's implied she fucked a seventeen-year-old. No, so he's twenty. He's twenty. He repeated oh, it a lot of times. Oh, okay. I guess they. <laughs> they actually got a great length to let you know that it was not an <laughs> underage fucking. I actually never noticed yeah. that. So they went to a lot of lengths and it still was lost. Still on not me. enough. I not still enough. came away being like, yeah, there's child sex in this movie. That's a little weird. No, they'd say it like a lot of times that like he's 20, he repeated a lot of times. I reckon that feels to me like a studio note. Like oh, someone yeah. going, can you please make sure that everyone knows yes. he's actually 20? And yes, mm. you can make it funny. They can say it a lot that it makes it funny. Okay, you can do yeah, that. Say it a million times. And still, a man in his 30s will not notice it and still walk away being like, yeah, Why there's a pedophile in this movie. Why, there's a few pedophiles in this movie. Why do <laughs> they do that? But as well, like, man, this is like an interesting thing to think about because I think that what this movie does is something I haven't thought about at all since I was in high school mm. was like, Teachers have a existence. They have a life. Yeah. Which is weirder now because like we've got friends that do stand up that by day are like teachers, teachers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, my mum's a teacher. My brother's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it is crazy because you, you never think about it. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you ever go, well, I wonder what they do after 3 p.m. Yes. And I love like in this movie, like when Jason Sudeikis is their principal and yeah. he doesn't get along with them at school because they're like snotty kind of uh, like ass kisses mm. and like you know teachers do not like the actual teachers pets that are like little ass kisses mm. and then he becomes their uber driver at night yeah and he's got like the cool uber like with an yeah. ipad and all these charges and stuff and i think that's just such a funny idea to like translate to film like oh yeah teachers are real people with like full lives and they yeah. have to like make ends meet in other ways that's as my well. my favorite tiny little bit of social satire in this movie mm. is that he has this other job because the principal job doesn't pay well. I think that's great. And I wish that there was more of it. And also, I think Sudeikis is like effortlessly watchable. I think he's Uh, so good. He's so funny, like so charming. Do you have any memories of like... I, like, I remember seeing teachers, like, just in the shops and stuff. Oh, my God. I remember I had a teacher, my Miss Tomaris. She was, like, my primary school year one teacher. Mm. 
and like because she was Greek, my family like became friends with her. Oh, and then she had like God. a nephew that was my age. And every now and then, like I'd go hang out with her and her nephew. Oh. And I'm like, what is this? This is Awful. weird. To- now I think back on it, like that's fucking weird. That sucks. But at that time, she was so cool. I think I was in love with her or something. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a little boy. She had like this Lego haircut and stuff. <laughs> um, I Okay, in high school, my friends and I used to go to Homebake. Do you remember Homebake? Oh, yes. It- I never went... Yeah. I would have hated it. You might have hated I it. I would not have had fun. It was very much up my alley. Mm-hmm. Homebake was a de- uh, a festival, music festival that all took place in one day mm-hmm. in Sydney, in the middle of Sydney in a park. Yeah. And it was all Australian acts. Yeah. So when I'm a teenager, no it's like all the people that I would listen to on Triple J on the radio, mm-hmm. you know, like The Vines and mm-hmm. Wolf Mother and... Yeah. All this, you know, big headliners like Paul Kelly and stuff who, who were, you know, it was all... Ben Lee, perhaps? Ben Lee, Crowded House. It was very cool. I loved it. And and I would go every year. When I was in year nine, I went with a friend of mine and we went into the techno tent because the band, the presets were playing in there. And I was like, fuck yeah, we got to go watch the presets. So we went into the techno tent and made our way into the mosh pit and bumped into our PE teacher, Mr. Williams, who was shirtless and covered in like fluoro um, zinc, like all over his face and body and stuff. And he turned around and saw us and he was like, so happy to see us. He was like, boys, oh my God, hell yeah, how good are the presets? And it, we couldn't stop talking about it for the rest of the day. We're like, man, Mr. Williams is so fucking cool, man. He was so happy really? to see you us. Really? You liked it? Yeah, well, like, he was so happy to see us. That's so nice. That's and then, of so course, funny. you look back years later and you go, he was on MDMA. He was blitzed. He was out of his fucking mind. <laughs> we had a science teacher that was like a DJ who we think like did drugs at our formal. Oh, definitely. And we're like, the rest of us like, that's weird. None of us were even drinking at the formal. <laughs> When, but then I look back at Mr. Williams and go, he would have been like 23 or something. Yeah. Like, of course, he was doing crazy. pills on the weekend and partying. And it feels so old to just be like, well, yeah. this 23-year-old guy. I was like 15 or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, this old man. Like, But he's happy to see us. Yeah, he's 23 and he's high. I reckon also this is a rumor that persists around every high school. There was like, I don't think it was my year, but you know, oh, this is already true. Not me, but a friend of a friend of mine. Like, this oh, is already where right. that story's going. Yep. Is like that in schoolies, a couple of years above us, a teacher went to Byron to fuck some of the boys. Oh my God. That's crazy. But I don't know if that's true. It there, just seems like a rumor. There was a rumor, rumor that uh, one of my friends in my friendship mm. group hooked up with the art teacher after <sighs> year 12. It was an art teacher at my school, too. Uh, it's always an art teacher. I did, I've asked my friend multiple times but i don't know if he's just keeping the urban legend alive mm. or if he's a gentleman but he was always like ah, i don't want to talk about it oz style yeah he's Oz-style. going Oz-style, dude. <laughs> oz striker strikes again he'd be like ah, no look we're just she's just just a really lovely teacher yeah. that's all i'll say she's uh, a lovely she's lady a lovely lady she taught me how to paint <laughs> she taught me a few things yeah. also, over that Tell summer you, she actually was my masterpiece <laughs> 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 but I think that's like that's like kind of what that Jessica jo- uh, Jessica, Jessica Williams, Williams character yeah, is like. Totally. It's like a little bit of that, like you know, but also done in a way. I think that's another thing that this does like super bad is super bad kind of like maybe is like the first woke comedy that mm. also like holds up really well. Like it's discussions on consent and like it's 
thematic like ideas of what consent are, especially from the perspective of young, nice men, mm. is I think holds up pretty well for a movie from that time. I think since then, Good Boys, I, you, you haven't seen it yet, no. but I give that a high recommendation because I think that takes it to the next level with like the way that like it becomes a joke from these like perspective of like 12 year old good boys, like what, like to ask permission and things like that. But I think like this film is like the, in that vein, like continuing on, like making comedy progressive and making, but without like sanitizing it in a right. really interesting way. Like this film never feels like nasty, but it also never feels toothless for me. I know what you mean. Yeah. There are, there are parts of it that I think, I can feel it pulling back mm -hmm. from the kind of comedy that maybe you and I liked a bit more when we were younger and stuff. But, but yeah, there's pretty, there's a pretty fucking gross shit in here. Like yeah. she's masturbating with a panda bear Her and toy teddy there's panda. a sex scene and you know, I don't know. There's enough in there to keep yeah. you going. I think so. I like, think I could have done with a little more harder um, laughs with that stuff though. To just push it that step further. Like there's not actually like, you know, there's not a pie moment or something. Like, there's no. not a real grotty moment. But does a movie like that need that kind of moment? I don't think this movie... It's just a different movie. It yes. doesn't want it. But I think as an audience member of a teen comedy, mm -hmm. maybe I want that. Yes. Or at least I want, if not a pie moment, I want, uh, like, some set pieces like in Superbad. Mm -hmm. There's no real... There's a couple of gross-out moments in that, but it's mainly just, like big comedy set yeah. pieces in that movie. I think like the closest we get to uh, a danger super bad moment is really a highlight of the movie for me, which is a kind of like comedic cameo from comedian, actor, writer, Mike O'Brien, yeah. who I've been a fan of forever. He used to have a web series called Seven Minutes in Heaven. Mm. Be like, joined by like great comedic guests like he was a writer on snl so be a lot of people like that and hosts and stuff and interesting actors and he would just be in a closet playing games with them yeah, and yeah. one of the best ones he has an episode with patricia clarkson mm. that is genuinely sexy like they're flirting with each other and like he always ends the episode trying to kiss the guest yeah and like that's the seven minutes in heaven joke and they actually kiss and then he, uh, she talks about her lipstick and she's like, do you know what this lipstick's called? Cherries in the snow. And he's just like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's just so, it's so good. Great web series. Oh so if you've got God. time to watch a couple of web episodes, check it out. <laughs> yeah, I do like that scene with him. Mm -hmm. but, uh, As a pizza delivery man. Yeah, who might may or may not be a killer or a pedophile or something. And they like <laughs> kind of take him hostage to find out like where the party's at they need to go to. I think that's a really good set piece because I think it's like playing with like these ideas of status mm. and like where they stand against like this stranger. Mm. And also that's close to a pie moment where like to create these balaclavas, they just fold their hair. Like, yeah. use, like, hair bands and stuff to, like, make their hair like a balaclava. Yeah, that's cool. There are, I mean, there's cool stuff in it, but I think it's not really a set-piecey movie, mm, is it? It's more no. of a vibe movie. Absolutely. Um, It's more of a chemistry movie. And there's probably, like, the big set-piece in it, the one that everyone will talk about, is the scene where they get dosed with Molly or something mm -hmm. or... It's a made-up drug. It's one yeah. of those... You know, it's actually a pet peeve of mine mm, when yeah. movie teen movies have a made-up drug. Yes. I remember uh, 21 Jump Street had mm -hmm. one too. 
And they always have a fucking shit name. Like they're called lollipops or something yep. or skid marks or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and it's always a mix of every type of drug. Yes, it, that, it's hallucinogenic. Yeah, but it's it's an upper and it's a downer. It's mm-hmm. a hallucinogen, but it's also like MDMA. Yeah. Uh, and that's what this is. And they hallucinate that they're Barbie dolls. And I guess that's an Olivia Wilde touch. Apparently yeah. she had that idea and she kind of asked for it to be written into the thing. Yeah. And it, it, it's a good excuse to like break the visual language of the movie and do something stylistic and everything. But um, I don't need it. Yeah, it's something that it hasn't connected with me on any of the times I've watched mm-hmm. this movie but I appreciate it because I'm like, like you said, to break the visual language up, to take a swing and also for this movie to look interesting. Like, yeah. I think this is a good looking movie. I think so too. And it's got like, it's definitely found this like visual vibe. Like Superbad, it feels vintage, but this feels really different. Like mm. almost like 60s cool, a little bit boho kind of like the way that they're filming it. Like it just looks really good. And I think that I appreciate the risk taking in a movie like this Mm. with something like that because it is really odd and they do it in a way that is not cheesy like you know in something like half baked it would be like whoa man like really amped up but it's done like almost like half baked absolutely dude i think about half baked all the time and i reckon i've only seen it once i love i used to love it yeah harlan (laughs) williams stephen wright i think it's the scene where stephen wright plays the guy that's always asleep on their Mm. lounge and he smokes a joint and lays down and then his body levitates yep. up from the lounge. I like Rumblefish did. Oh, that was the coolest shit in the world. <laughs> Rumblefish style, yeah. I was like, man, that's great. But this is this is one of those moments. Mm. It's like a, a cartoony moment in the Literally. middle of a grounded uh, sequence. Um, it doesn't... It's not funny enough for me mm. to really love it. Yes. I actually... Wish because it happens in the middle of they go to the uh, drama kids party. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wish we got to spend more time in the drama kids party because they're all funny characters and they're doing a murder mystery. If you're going to put a heightened comedy set piece, mm-hmm. put it in the middle of some fucking pretentious drama students yeah. doing a murder mystery. If you just That's go, so okay, funny we're already. making it Cluedo. It's yeah. like Play-Doh Cluedo Exactly. Just for 10 minutes of the movie, it's Cluedo and everyone's talking in high drama mm-hmm. And the stakes all of a sudden feel real for everyone. Like there's murder going on and shit. That's great. I think so. I love that party. And I think it's like... I love that cast, those kids. I like Noah Galvin as like Mm. the lead drama kid. I think that's like so funny and such a great touch. And then my one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is that his family, his little sister, his mum and his dad are like playing, like making a puzzle in the kitchen and no <laughs> yeah. one's allowed to go in. He doesn't let them out. Yeah. That's such like an actual like memory that they're accessing yeah. of like teen parties. Yeah. That there's just a room that has parents in them. Well, didn't you go to a party one time? <laughs> yeah. At um, my yeah. friend's house and her parents, uh, is, her dad is Owen Patterson, the production designer of the matrix yeah. and they were watching the matrix on free to air tv yeah. with ads in it yeah you walked into a room and the whole family was yeah. watching the matrix on tv yeah that's oh, so like, funny i literally i think i was on acid <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh i don't know if i can trust this memory this is crazy <laughs> yeah um hey we also we haven't really talked about them yet but will forte and lisa kudra we mm-hmm. brought them up in an earlier episode Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one, but we were talking about the the 
idea or the trope of um, parents being comedic like foils. Yes. In these types of movies. I think Eugene Levy was the one we were talking about mm. as the gold standard. Yes. Um, and then probably Amy Poehler and Amy Mean Poehler Girls. Amy Poehler and Mean Girls is the cool mum. I think these two are doing a version of that mm-hmm. and it's great because they're both fucking superstars of comedy. Oh, two of the funniest performers of all time. Yeah. Two of my favourite comedic performers of all time and I would say Lisa Kudrow actually on the record I'll say now one of my favourite actors of all time yeah I think an absolute master performer yeah absolutely I wish we got more of them same a little bit more we get two scenes really and they do they're they're funny in those scenes they're fantastic um the scene where they're playing with the panda bear yeah come on that's funny funny stuff and even just them being like i i mean they're doing a spin on what we've already seen but i love it it's like they're just too nice and it's it's so embarrassing yeah how nice and supportive they are like that's the tension is that they go overboard and they make you feel weird yeah but I will say one thing about those two, it, it's sort of a, um, it became a sticking point for me, maybe with the movie as a whole, which mm-hmm. is that there's no real tension mm. in this movie. Um, you know, and you can use these two characters as an example, Lisa Kudrow and Will Forte there. We, we hear about them before we meet them. We hear that they're very religious. Mm. We know their daughter is queer. My mind goes to... She's going to be hiding her queerness from her parents. She's not. She's out with them. Mm. They're very supportive. And that's the end of the scene. I think that in that example, I think that's nice. And it's a fresh touch to me. I absolutely think it's nice, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah. For me, there's one example where I agree with you really that tension doesn't... That this movie is lacking a certain tension. But there's there's more examples. Like the school, everyone's pretty much friends. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be cliques really. Yeah. Um, you know, like the cool hot dude when he's like bitching about uh, Molly in the toilet mm. or whatever. He's not... He's like... He makes a point of saying that he finds her hot and stuff. Yeah. Like there, there's... There's nothing really bad going on in this movie. Yeah. I think... I, I think, don't know. To me, I think that that's worrying that there's no dramatic tension. There's one example in this movie that like... Because it's such a clear one-two from Superbad that really sticks with me is in Superbad, there's a lot of tension around the idea that uh, the um, the codependency of Seth and Evan characters, Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, And there's this tension around them having to split up next year because they're yeah. going to different colleges. And uh, it's the Michael Sarah character has got into a good college. Mm. And there's a tension in the audience finding out early on that... Um, Michael Sarah and Christopher Wins Plus, they're Fogel McLaughlin. They're rooming together. Okay, I know I, I've been saying the actor's name and then I really struggled to not say just fucking McLovin <laughs> for that. <laughs> but uh, they're rooming together. Yeah. And we learn about that early and then, you know... Um, and I'm we sure also like, know that they're hiding it from Seth. They're hiding it yeah. from him. So there's a point in the movie where it is revealed to Jonah Hill's character uh, that they are rooming together in like a in the the dramatic climax of all of their relationships kind of cracking together yeah or cracking apart rather and in this movie there is a similar thing and i don't i feel like maybe it's a conscious choice to 
differentiate it from this same thing in Superbad where the Caitlin Devers character is going to spend a month abroad in Africa very soon, like after yeah. graduation. But in reality, it's a secret that she's actually spending a year mm. overseas. Mm. But because there's not a third character in that group of friends or there's not another confidant of some yeah. kind. We don't know as an audience. We don't know because they've we not never kept hear it a secret. They've, until the argument. Until there's this argument where they have like this collapse at a party where they like scream at each other. Mm-hmm. And like it makes sense. It's so well performed. But like it makes sense. It's so well performed. It's really dramatic. I think it like it works in the movie and it's like hard to watch. It's sad to see these characters that I really love together fighting. But it's like this idea of like Alfred Hitchcock's idea of tension and suspense. Yeah, the bomb under the table, right? Exactly. Mm. You've got two people talking at a table and then they explode. That's surprise. That's There's shock. There's no tension. There's no tension. But, but if at the start of the conversation mm-hmm. you cut to a bomb underneath the table with a countdown timer, mm-hmm. immediately you're watching that conversation with whole new eyes. Like Absolutely. everything they say is vital and it's the last things they're going to say. Yes. And then... I think that this misses a little bit of that tension there because, like, that should be something because, like, these people are so close and so dependent, so reliant on each other and, like, so living in each other's lives and so supportive of each other that it actually would be really exciting for them to have a secret from each other. Mm. That's dramatic. That's really dramatic. And especially because it seems like they don't have secrets from each other. They talk about like how like the positions they jack off in mm. and like how they pl- self-pleasure and like that's really close. That's, that's an exciting relationship as well. And to have a secret between them, that will be so tense and yeah. so like suspenseful that it's going to come out. We know it's going to come out. But if it's come out in surprise... I don't know if it like, for me, it doesn't earn the drama of that moment of them breaking up. No, I'm with you. I think that that big fight um, is incredibly well performed from both of them, but completely not, it doesn't belong in the movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it feels like a different movie. Yeah. It feels like it would be at home in Ladybird. Yes. Um, but this is like, so Starring far. Beanie thing. Exactly. This movie so far has been like a pretty broad comedy Mm. and then to have like a real indie movie argument towards the end of it, I just was a bit taken aback by it. And also, um, I was taken aback by the fact that the, and I know it's a choice, it's a a choice that they've made to have the music Mm. crank up so loud in that yep. scene so that you can no longer hear what they're saying. It's like Godfather Part 3. Sofia Coppola's just been killed and Michael Corleone's freaking out. You can't yeah, hear you his can't scream. Hear you just hear the score. It's so primal. Sure. Great. But um, I want to hear it because I've just been watching these two girls mm. for an hour and a half and I would love to hear what the uh, climax of the movie is. Yeah. And it would be nice to have them make some revelatory remarks in that fight that, you know, undo moments from earlier in the film but we don't get it. And I, I read a review from uh, someone of the New York Times. I didn't agree with everything in the review, but that was a sticking point for the critic too, who said that it's almost as if the director of the film was like, oh, I don't want to watch these guys fight anymore. I'm yeah. just going to turn the music up. And that's kind of how I felt. For me, that works. That's something I, I felt. I think as I'm in line with those characters, I, I buy that moment. I don't want to see them fight. But... I agree. I can I can see it being a problem. For me, it wasn't. And I was listening to some interviews with Olivia Wilde because I just want to like find out like what 
her thesis of the movie was or like dramatic thesis of yeah. it. And I thought it was kind of fascinating what she had to say. She pitched this as like, this is like Teen Girls Training Day. And mm. she was like, this is like a buddy comedy mm. or like a, a like a buddy cop movie is the way that she saw it. And it kind of like helped me unlock what this movie is because it's like, it is like, she kept on saying like high octane buddy movie. I'm like, mm. oh, I think I get it now. And it makes that work for me. Like understanding that moment more is going like, oh yeah, I guess that kind of is like a point break moment or something. Mm. If she's seeing this as an action movie and it made sense as well because it's like, this is the kind of last and most intimate relationship that these people have before going into like their adult world and their adult lives is like the relationship you have with like your ride or die best friend where you mm. share everything with them. And I think that like understanding this as an actual buddy film and not just a teen film. Mm. And that is the heightened genre that this film goes into, not just like, like that's the life or death stakes of it. Cause mm. I think, you know, there is a thing that we're saying like there's tension lacking in some points of this movie. But if you now, if I reframe it and go like, well, the tension and the ride or die on like the, you know, the live or die stakes of this teen film are within their own relationship. I get that. I understand that now. But it's just like if we had that secret, yeah, that would really sell that for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. But maybe it was mean. a deliberate choice to differentiate it from the movie that we cannot help but fucking compare it to this whole discussion. Like, yeah, it's because if it just is the same thing again, like, what there's can enough, you do? There's enough in there that differentiates it for me. I think so. I yeah. agree. I agree. But it's just like it's a, it's a similar plot, and maybe it's one thing. But then it becomes a contrast. We go, you know, that's true. One thing nails it. The other thing doesn't quite land it. But it still, to me, is very satisfying where the weight climax is there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I, and I guess it does have the uh, the ending for me. Um, I was confused actually when I watched it mm. the first time. I was like, "Hang on, is she not going to Africa now?" Yeah. But then I just realized it's like the the final moment is her being like, oh, "I've still got time before yeah. my flight." I think that's sweet. <clears throat> yeah, it's I cute. really love that ending it's where cute. she like slams on the car and scares her when she's <laughs> when Beanie's having like her moment to herself. Yeah, I, I liked think that's it so well. Done. On the second watch, I really liked it. I kind of thought I, it was I, a cute ending. I just love Beanie Fieldstein as well. Mm. I think she's such a magnificent actor. Also, I think I look exactly like her. Like Tom <laughs> Walker put a wig on me once and I saw myself. I even have the same teeth as her, like the same shaped teeth. And watching her, I'm like, God, I look exactly like her in this movie. <laughs> that's me. It's so weird. But I think it's like, that's a unique comedy character, what she's doing, I think. Yeah, I think like, so too. Really being like, nerdy, high type A personality. Mm. And like being so like, loud and quite obnoxious it is an interesting take on the character that her brother jonah hill like fucking broke his entire career out with in super bad to like have her be really smart really like a fucking ass licker in school mm. and then like twist it in that way like her big brashness and obnoxiousness is at the same level but completely different. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of like a Tracy Flick if um if she oh, was more fun. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Cuz it's I was trying to think of where I've seen this character type before and I I think it's pretty new yeah. character type. It's unique. But Tracy Flick's the only comparison I could have and I mean she's in Neighbors 2, Sorority mm -hmm. Rising. And, uh, I think that's a good movie. I love it. Yeah, I, I actually, really love it. I really that. love it and she's great in that too, yeah. but 
she's playing like a dipshit in that. Um, and it's it's fun to see her not play a dipshit. Like yeah. it's cool that she's like a high achiever. I can't wait to see what she does with her career because she could like do completely like just stick in comedy and like do that. But she's like a Broadway type like theater performer. Mm. And like I've read like the next thing that she signed up for, but we won't see for twenty years because she's doing a twenty-year Richard Linklater project Jesus. based on a Sondheim musical, like Merrily We uh, Roll Along. Yeah, Merrily yeah. We Roll Along, and it's God. like I, I can't wait to see what that is because he's writing years. it. Twenty years. Oh my! That's God. more than fucking Boyhood. Yeah, yeah. Stick Boyhood in your freaking tailpipe, buddy. We yeah. got a twenty-year project coming up. <laughs> yeah, and it don't, people don't care. <laughs> about boyhood anymore <laughs> that's fucking crazy holy shit so it's like we're gonna have no matter what career she has there's gonna be a film in 20 years time yeah that's gonna be a retrospective of whatever it was fuck that's mental let's move on to the oscars mm-hmm. we're oh. giving out some awards baby god i love the oscars and not to be confused with the academy awards no, which no, are no. their own institution that we quite frankly, distance ourselves from. Exactly. We are the Oscars, A-U-S-C-A-R-S, because we're Aussies, and guess what, mother? We love our cars. Oh, my God. Holden Ford, the whole thing. They're the coolest thing in the world, so we give them to movies as well. So let's give our first Oscar out, Best Character Actor. We love to give this out to the stars that never really get a a chance to stand up there at the podium, Mm -hmm. clutching an award and thanking... The God Above. Yes, and The God Above is cinema and it is represented by Oscar Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Is that what we named the Oscars after? Yeah, we named them after Oscar Wilde. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, it all, it all makes sense now. Always. There's uh, two names that stood out for us mm-hmm. this time. Uh, number one, we have to give it to. we got to bow down to the queen herself, Lisa Kudrow. Come on. Honestly, like I said, one of my favorite actors of all yeah, time. Yeah. From their groundbreaking work in Friends yeah. to their groundbreaking work in Mad About You, playing yes, sisters. Playing her sister. Yes, Phoebe and Ursula on each show. They're in the same in freaking an universe. Early example of world building. Exactly. Pre MCU, there was the Buffet mm-hmm. Sisters. And they connected many worlds of the of the make it funny lineup on NBC's <laughs> comedy <laughs> comedy. Thursday the 90s. night, the iconic Thursday night mm-hmm. lineup. Exactly. But on the then, peacock. This is the must-see TV, well, you know, that's the MCU back then. Yeah. MSU, the (laughs) must-see universe. But then, of course, like, uh, my... Probably my favorite performance maybe ever by a comedic actor is her in The Comeback. Valerie Cherish. One of the best characters of all time, Mm. right? Mm. Uh, I think, actually, the bravest comedic performance. Like, so vulnerable. Yeah. And that 10 years later sequel with Seth Rogen. Do you know what? I still haven't watched (gasps) the sequel. I've got the DVD. I'll give it to you. Tonight. I haven't watched the comeback of the comeback. You have to. Uh, the comeback is the best TV show of all time. So good. Up there with Sopranos. It's so good. I will lend you the DVD, Cam, because I want you to see the the sequel series. Yeah, I can't wait. Actually, it's well, I can obviously I could wait because it was about six years. Yeah, ago. you've waited enough. So I've waited. You've waited enough, honey. <laughs> Gotta keep going now. Yeah, I love Lisa Kudrow. Huge fan. Mm-hmm. Love everything she's ever done. From Phoebe Buffay to Phoebe Buffay's sister. Yeah. 
Ursula. And everything in between. Exactly. Web therapy. We're webheads, buddy. But there was a uh, another actor, potentially a future character actor mm. in this that you wanted to draw some attention to. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this actor, Molly Gordon. She's in this. She's in Shiva Baby. She's in The Life of the Party, playing Melissa mm. McCarthy's kind of straight man daughter. And, of course, she's also in... Good boys playing kind of like a not oh. actually actually a dissimilar role, not exactly the same yeah. as this. Um, she's in Rami, the TV show, but she the kind of character actor the thing that she does, which is we would define a character actor as someone who captures a vibe perfectly that uh, can be utilized almost like a shorthand in the mm-hmm. film. I think what she's been doing as a young actor, she's only like twenty five years old, but she's been able to capture this vibe of. A cool girl that casually does drugs and usually cool Jewish girl. Right. And like that is who she is. Mm. Um, she is, uh, I mean, like she's got this great article that uh, is from Vulture, came out a mm. couple of months ago during what they call the Character Actor Week, where they celebrate character actors. And uh, this is a quote from the article from the author. When I text her after our chat and mentioned that we might run this story during Vulture's Character Actor Week, she replies, make me the next Richard Kind in all caps. Fuck yes. And I'm just like, that is so cool. Fuck yes. This article is great. It goes into like how she started like a little comedy troupe with... Uh, ben Platt, Noah Galvin, who's in the mm. movie, and Beanie Fieldstein is her best friend. Mm. And they were like a little groundlings comedy troupe because they all loved SNL growing up. They all want to be on SNL, be SNL stars. Fuck. And like, that's just so cool. Like, yeah. they're all like kind of like, uh, you know, in families with like Hollywood veterans and stuff like mm. that. But I think that she gives like a really great performance because she's very cool. She's funny, but there's like an inherent empathy with her where you mm. just like go, oh, I kind of get you. Like there is something sad about the way that you're like performing this character. Mm. That like, I think she's great and she is like a, proudly a supporting scene stealing I actually actor. think you just tapped into something there, which is um, the mark of any great character actor mm-hmm. to me is funny person yep. with sad eyes. Yes. That's a character Big actor. Point. If you're like this mm-hmm. person Motor mouth, yeah. Funny motor mouth, but get a look at those peepers. There's some tragedy going on in there. Yeah, you got all the ingredients for a character actor. I think that she is a future like character actor legend, dude. She's the next Richard Kind. I hope so. I would put it down. She could be. (laughs) She could be the next Richard Kind. (laughs) Fuck yes. I'd like to give another Oscar out now uh, to, and this is very Oscar Wilde. Mm. Uh, in my opinion, probably the first unisex bathroom I've ever seen in a teen film. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah. And you know what? Gave me a freaking panic attack watching it. I'll be honest. I, 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 I've confessed this to you before, but I don't think I've put it on the record. I mm. never yeah. went to the bathroom at my high school. You were a real shitbreak. I really was a shitbreak, and I had I was I analyzed myself. I was like, because you know there was a teen TV series filmed at the high school I went to yeah. called um, Bump. Bump. It's a great show. It's on Stan right now. It's very good. I love it because it's literally filmed at my high school, so yep. it's hard not to enjoy it. But they go to the bathrooms in the movie in the TV show. I'm like, I don't think there's a bathroom in my school. I'm getting to think like, hang on a second. I don't even know what the bathrooms in my school look like. I realized that I would run home the final like 40 kilometers, uh, 40 meters home <laughs> because I would need to piss every day. 
And a lot of times I pissed on the final 10 meters, like walking from my front gate to my front door. I like trying to get the key out and I'm just shaking my whole body because I just would not go. You never went to the toilet at school? I Less than five times in six years. Oh my God, that's crazy. I It is. It's really crazy. I don't know what my problem was. Probably I had a small dick, I guess. And I think that would be ex- absolutely amplified if the bathrooms were shared. But I, would, I, can't, I can't imagine uh, if I grew up with unisex bathroom at my high school because mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I was suffering from a lot of IBS really? when I was in high school. And oh I reckon God. I shat at school Every day, maybe sometimes multiple times. <laughs> I heard that you used to start your day with an up and go in my pants. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. I hey, I went every day. I got to know every oh, cubicle gosh. in that school. If I, there were girls in there that I had a crush on going in mm-hmm. there to do pisses or whatever, I, I was just going crazy mm-hmm. in the toilet. Oh, dude. What a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Let me. Re- this is my ideal, my freaking plate- like platean ideal mm. of my platonic ideal of what a high school bathroom should be. Three mm. toilets. Mm. That's it. Maybe five. I'll go up to five depending on how many students there are. Five toilets and they're separate. They're all different parts of the school. <laughs> and you, they're just a toilet. And that's it. Toilet in there. You've got your basin to wash your hands. You've got all the accoutrement. It's Maybe, a full room. It's a full room. It's and a there's bathroom. space. Yeah. Yes. And even like you go in there and like you lock the door. There's so a hook on the back of the door. Exactly. You can your, get changed in there. Hang your bag up. And also there's a little seat because like, you know, so many times I get it's changed like, in the like toys. Like a gym bathroom. Is yeah, but just one. For one person only. Only one in at a time. Yeah. And there's enough where it's like, you know, maybe there's up to six or seven in there. So every, like there's not too much kids pissing, holding themselves, pissing in them. Like it's not just one room where everyone goes in and pits and shits at the same time. They're separate rooms and everyone does it differently. And it's like, you know, no judgment of what's going on in there. And, you know, the amount of times I had to change my clothes, even to this day in a public toilet. <laughs> and I'm like, take, I got to change my pants. And then what? I got to take my fucking shoes off. I'm barefoot touching my <laughs> the fucking piss stained floor <laughs> with my socks on. I'm trying to stand on top of my shoes so I don't like, so I don't touch the floor. Put a seat in there. Put like a little table, a trussel table or something like that. A changing room for adults. This is I've never seen you speak so passionately about <laughs> anything than when you're discussing I avoid your it. ideas for like the redesign of high school toilets. I really think that I should be in charge of this. Like this should be like my job in the government is like they hire me to perfectly construct modest bathrooms for teenagers to really so they don't run home and piss themselves on the way home. It's just you it's know, an it's, endemic problem. It's actually not. It's something very specific to a small handful of people like yourself who <laughs> and shit breaks. Yeah, and shit, shit breaks, breaks of, the of the world who couldn't go to the toilet in their own fucking high school. We got to think about plumbing, Alexi. Like yeah. the plumbing, getting that around to six or seven locations around the school. That's a nightmare. Yeah, one in each block. There's going to be taps in each block. There's going to be water fountains in each Absolute block. Absolute nightmare, Bubbles. dude. It makes so much more sense to localize the plumbing, yes. localize the pipes, get some urinals, get some. You know, it makes. Look, I could talk to you at length about toilets. We got to change, okay? No. This dude. is my new Kenny movie. <laughs> I'm writing the new Kenny movie, and Shane Jacobson tries to become prominent on my platform <laughs> as Kenny, the toilet obsessed man. Oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. All right, it's up to a point of the show where what has happened is you and I somehow mm-hmm. have been handed down the rights to yes. book smart. This is a it's been in the blacklist in 2009. It's mm-hmm. gone through four different writers. It's been made in 2019. And now, 2021, the rights have reverted to you and I. What are we going to do with this project? I actually had an idea because I was struggling. Because, you know, it was hard to go super bad. What do we do with it? Mm. This, I've got an idea. And it is new and it is unique. And it continues on from like this generic cycle that we're in of female-led teen movies. Oh no, the coaster flipped the coaster again. Thing happened the again. coaster happened again. It fell into coaster. Guys, the, everyone must know that the coaster thing keeps happening. The condensation keeps building up underneath it. And then when I reach for yes. the glass, it, okay. it clings to the bottom and it falls off. Okay, don't you shame me. I'm aware my coasters suck in this house. It happens to me every fucking They're day. They're great dude. looking coasters. They look gorgeous. I, get, I think the same with your toilet thing. You're paying too much attention to the aesthetics mm-hmm. and not enough to the practicalities of it to me it's practical the toilet thing because everyone's going to be in a happier life no no no. we don't need to go back to the toilet okay, thing okay. it's not practical and these coasters whilst visually arresting mm-hmm. are too i know slippery i gotta start i need to i'm rethinking them at the moment i really am i'm going i don't know what to do maybe just cork mats or something like that they don't lift yeah, up man. Or yeah. maybe I'll get like little ball bearings. I've got heavy marble coasters and they I do not lift it. up. Yeah, that's my problem. They lift up. Anyway, so <laughs> we've got the rights to uh, Booksmart. <laughs> this is it. Continuing the female comedy-led uh, teen movie generic cycle. Yeah. What do we not have that we have in the male-led ones? Mm. We do not have a saga. We do not have a long-lasting franchise. Like pie. I think we pie this up. Okay. I think we have Book Smarts or Book Smart Part Two, where we see them in uni. They've loosened up a bit. We can. I would love to see these characters change. They finally mm. reunited after she's come back from Africa. Yeah. And she, they've all. They, there's so much change that can go on in these people's lives. I think we go full on pie, go all the way up to a reunion in ten years' time. Oh my god! So there's Book Smart Wedding. Yeah, a very bookish wedding or something they can call it. <laughs> I don't know. But I think that we, I think that this is worthy of that. I think that there's enough richness in these characters. Olivia Wilde, to me, this is her debut film. She's got working on another one currently. But I think with this debut film, she really signaled that she could be like the next great, like mainstream broad comedy director. Mm. Because it's a stylish movie. Yeah. I would love to see her evolve directing this as a series. And just bring these characters back. Like, they're interesting. They're weird. They're really funny. Like, Billy Lord is a great stifler. Yeah. You know, I want to see what these privileged kids can get up to as they get older going to, like, these big universities. That's interesting. Like, literally, if the second one is, oh, we haven't seen each other in three years, let's go on a fucking spring break where we get a house together. Or, you know, like, it's in college, Beanie visits, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Caitlin Dever's character on campus. And, you know, madness ensues. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. And if the film's just like, and the tagline is two best friends, uh, uh, madness ensues right now. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. Don't you think? Yeah, I'd watch that. I really think that... I'd watch th- the sequels. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was trying to think, what can you do? But this is so fresh and like current. Like, I'd how call can it Booksmart 2, the next chapter. Oh, okay. Mm. I like that. I like that when movies are referred to as books like Spiral from the Book of Saw. Oh, yeah. I love it. John Wick, 
chapter two. Yeah. What? Wait, this was what? Not, why is it a what book? What do you mean? It's a DVD. <laughs> exactly. It's not a book. Yeah, oh, chapters like a DVD has to... Okay, oh, makes okay. sense. That makes sense. Because, <laughs> you know, John Wick is a DVD, basically. It's merely a film. Yeah, I like that they called the second one chapter two. And then for the third one, they were like, nah, parabellum. Then chapter three, later on. <laughs> it says it later on in the title. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. I'd yeah. like to see more sequels. I really think it could work. I also think, you know, there was a lot of care and thought put into the chemistry between mm. Beanie and Caitlin. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see more of that. Yes. Like they lived together during uh, pre-production and stuff oh, to God. kind of build up a bit of a rapport and it pays off. I think they yeah. have really wonderful chemistry. And I'd Put them in more things together. Put them in more things together, dude. Let's get them out there. Let's make them the new French and Saunders. Oh, gosh. I would love that. Or the new French and Johnson. French Stewart and Kirsten Johnson, of course, from the TV show Third Rock of the Sun. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah, I was really proud of it. I had to remember cast members from a TV show I watched three episodes <laughs> of 40 years ago. <laughs> it's actually a great sitcom. Industry. It's really good. I've actually it's watched really a lot good. more of it than I like. So. It's really good. And so was Booksmart. Yeah, Booksmart is really good. I really like it. I think that, you know... We have to discuss them by maximizing some of the issues we have with them. But yeah. on the whole, this is a fucking excellent movie. Yeah. It's an excellent comedy. It's got amazing performances. It looks gorgeous. And I think that it is. it makes me excited for where teen films can go in the future. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of what Olivia Wilde does and definitely more Big of time. the careers of Caitlin Dever and Benny Feldstein. Absolutely. And Molly Gordon, the winner of and the Richard Kind. And my boy Kind's. Skylar. Get out oh, there. You're yes. going to be a star. I think you're fantastic. Absolutely. You rock, dude. Uh, that is the final movie in our Screen Ages mini-series. Mm, it's true. Next week on the podcast, Cameron, we are going to be discussing from book smart to book end. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> kind of wrapping things up for Screen Ages, talking yeah. about things that we noticed, what we felt about teen movies, how our minds changed, what how we, we grew. Yes, a little bit of what we learned. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm and looking forward to maybe that. maybe talk about some movies that we wish we could have fit in or perhaps plans of maybe doing Screen Ages further down the line in a different way. Absolutely. And we will also be announcing what our next miniseries will be. So please stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. In the meantime... You can listen to more of us on Patreon, five bucks a month, patreon.com slash total reboot. You get extra content, extra podcasts. You get access to the Cinephile Registry on Facebook, which is where a bunch of people hang out and talk about movies and TV. Yes, it's like so good. Like Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, we're going like to start that. a Third Rock from the Sun viewing party any day now after <laughs> it's been mentioned on the podcast. Uh, and uh, you can talk to us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at I'm Cameron James. Alexi is at This Is Alexi. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything else you'd like to plug? Um, I would love to wish everyone a pleasant weekend. Yeah. And I would love everyone to enjoy cinema mm. in any of its forms, whether mm. it be on the big screen. Mm -hmm. You know, the church of film is everywhere. Wow. You can worship wherever you want. You can worship in the privacy of your own home mm -hmm. on the small screen. Yeah. Or you can go to church every weekend mm -hmm. and watch it on the big screen. But either way, you're blessed to pray up to that god mr oscar wilde in the sky i uh have a very brief announcement and okay. no, no dates yet but mm -hmm. for anyone who missed seeing my sydney comedy festival show i'm gonna do 
another big Sydney show Ooh. before the year is out. Yes. I'll give dates soon mm-hmm. and a location. <gasps> and uh, yeah, let, let me just say it's Acer Arena. So, okay. Yeah, bring please, please come. Please. <laughs> we need every single person <laughs> listening to this. Please come to it. <laughs> so I'll give more info soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also going to be coming to Melbourne and Brisbane soon awesome. too. So I'll announce those as well. And I saw Cameron's live comedy festival show this year. You did, you did. It was it. my favorite shit Cameron's ever done. You were it there. It was so funny. And also people were looking at you because they recognized you. And it's why I left very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also Greek Easter. I had actually responsibilities to my family and to my yes, culture and my yes, people. Of course. And, uh, and I had responsibilities to my people. Yes. Patrons of the arts. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's the difference between you and I. Yeah. I'm ethnic. Yep, and I'm a comic. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, bye.